Hey, what's up, players? This is Teddy Long, and I want you to know you're listening to the greatest wrestling show in all of the world. Holla, holla, holla. Wrestling with ideas, players. Make sure you tune in, and that's real talk. Welcome, one and all, to the greatest wrestling show on the planet, as hosted by your wily veterans, Will Macklin and Braden Mayhew, as well as the next generation cohorts, The Beast. From BC, Alec Miski, and the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. This is Wrestling with Ideas. Welcome back inside Wrestling with Ideas. I am Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is Brayden Mayhew on the line. We have a former SmackDown general manager, and he's been a manager uh, through WCW and the WWE. He's been a referee. He's really been, done a ton of things in the wrestling business. For a while, he certainly was the face of SmackDown. Oh, yeah. Sense. Absolutely. And uh, with us on the line, of course, is Teddy Lawn. How are you doing today, Teddy? Hey, I'm good, players. How you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic, man. We're so glad to have you on the show, and uh, we're super uh, pumped to ask you some questions and get your thoughts on just some uh, different topics around the business. Okay, well, first of all, you know, I wanted to let you say this. I, not only was I general manager of SmackDown, you know, I was general manager of ECW also, and I also had the opportunity to uh, be general manager of Raw for a short period of time. It wasn't a real long time, but I did have those three things done. And uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, uh, kindly what I'm doing right now, you know, I'm kind of semi-retired. I'm still involved in the wrestling business. Uh, I do a lot of independent shows. I have my own website, TeddyLong.com, and that's where people can go and uh, keep up with me. You can find out where I am and what I'm doing and, you know, kind of keep you in the loop. And uh, my Twitter is at TeddyPlayAlong, and the Instagram is TeddyLongWrestling. So that's kind of, you know, where you can keep up with me. And if you go to the website, if you like it, let me know. And if you don't like it, let me know. And if there's anything we can do to improve it, then I'm willing to do that. So you guys, I'm ready to roll with you. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, so we're just going to start off with your time in uh, WCW. Uh, just some, just a first question. Uh, what was a guy that you really liked to manage uh, in WCW? Well, you know, I had no particular person that I really liked to manage. You know, you, you, you can't base it on that. You know what I mean? Because anybody that you're stuck with for his managing, you got to try to get along with them. And uh, basically, it is a good thing to get along with them. You know, that you it, it's not hard to, you know, to work together. So, but basically, you know, the guys that I really enjoyed was Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. I had a great time managing them when they were the team of Doom. And, uh, you know, also they were the first uh, Afro-American World Tag Team Champions. And I also had a great time with Sid Vicious, Danny Spivey. They were the skyscrapers and uh, Mark Merrill, which was Johnny B. Bad. So, uh, you know, I had a lot of guys there, but, you know, wouldn't, didn't nobody just stand out as being favorite over the other one. You know, I mean, it, I, everybody was treated the same, and I felt the same way about everybody. But I had a little, a little bit more fun with Butch Reed and Ron. Absolutely. And uh, also one of the uh, clients you had uh, was Mean Mark Calloway, now known today as The Undertaker. What was it like uh, managing a young Mark Calloway? And did you see any potential for him to be a big star uh, in the future? Oh, yeah. Well, of course I did. It was great to, to manage uh, Mean Mark at the time. Uh, uh, I got him and he was one of the nicest guys that you could ever want to be. You know, he's a, certainly a guy that anybody that was in managing would want to manage because 
he had a lot of experience, you know, along with mine, and so we were able to help each other. And uh, I always saw him being a big star. And like I've said this before, uh, there was one time that uh, Ole Anderson, he was in charge. He was doing the booking and everything. And uh, also Undertaker and myself, we had a meeting with Jim Hurd, and I overheard Jim Hurd telling uh, Undertaker that Ole Anderson didn't want to pay him a certain amount of dollars and that he would never be nothing. He would never be a star. He had red hair, and he wouldn't draw a dime. So you know we all. So he certainly went to Vince and proved Ole Anderson wrong. And there was another person that thought he wasn't going to be anybody too, and that was uh, Bill Dundee out of Memphis, Tennessee. So uh, he proved both of those guys wrong. So you know Undertaker was just great to manage and just being a part of. And then when I went to WWE, I had the opportunity to be involved with a major angle with him where he kidnapped me and all this stuff, and I was in the coffin, and that was just you know the highlight of my of, of my life. Uh, that sounds great. And uh, just sticking on with uh, WCW, obviously, they, you mentioned Ole Anderson. There's been a ton of bookers there in WCW. But specifically, uh, what was it like working under Bill Watts? He was put in to try and reinvigorate the, po- the product at the time. Uh, what was it like working for Bill Watts? And uh, would, you say, would you say that it was a failed project when they brought in Bill Watts? Well, uh, I had no trouble with uh, Bill Watts, you know. Uh, I worked there with him. Of course, you know, Jim Ross was there at the time, and Jim Ross knew Bill Watts. He had worked for, you know, Bill before he ever came to WCW. So basically, Bill uh, Jim Ross was my boss, so I kind of answered to him. But I did get a chance to talk to Bill. But, I, you know, I couldn't say whether they made the wrong choice or not, you know, by bringing him in to, to straighten the company out or to advance the company. I don't know whether that was the right choice or not. It just may have been some in-house things, you know what I mean? Bill Watts, he knew he had, you know, he had the experience. He knew what to do. So why that failed, I don't know. You know, I couldn't put it all on Bill Watts. It may have been some of the talent, and it may be may have been some in-house stuff with the Turner people because at that time they owned it. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe the uh, backstage uh, environment uh, in WCW during your time there? Well, the backstage was okay, uh, uh, you know, for a while, and then. Uh, after the NWA, uh, NWO came in, you know, and they were getting all the attention, well, you know, a lot of guys, you wasn't part of the NWO, you wasn't really going nowhere. So, you know, a lot of guys wasn't happy with that because they were getting a push, and then all of a sudden they wasn't, you know, everything, all the concentration went to the NWO. But, uh, you know, like I said, you know, the morale is like that somewhere, basically everywhere you go. You know, there's going to be some guys that think they should be pushed and they're not being pushed, and it's just always drama. But, you know, for us being backstage in, in, in those times, you know, with NWO and everything, you know, I was just, you know, glad to be there because finally we're going to start making some money. You know, they brought the NWO in, they turned the place around, they started drawing houses, making money. And, you know, so certainly everybody that's, you know, got a spot there, you want to be on the card with any NWO guy for make money. So, you know, morale is going to be down and the morale is going to be up. It's like this. You can't make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in the WWF, there were locker room leaders like The Undertaker, like The Rock. Who would you say were the locker room leaders in WCW uh, during your time there, of course? Well, I, I would say there were no locker room leaders. There were no, I mean, every guy, you know, it, it, everybody was just every man for himself. You know, so there wasn't no, you know, a lot of a lot of the respect was gone from the business, you know, where guys would always come in, shake each other's hand, and certainly uh, give some of the guys that have been around some of the legends and the older guys a lot of respect. So that, that just, they, they lost all that, you know, so there, there were no locker room leaders. It was just, it was just running wild, man. It was like a bunch of Indians with no sheep. 
sounds insane over there. Would you say that was kind of an early sign that WCW was going to fail? Well, uh, I, I couldn't say that that was an early sign because I, you know, at the time, you know, if Ted Turner was had the money, you know, I think he was back in the bank. So you know, with Turner, you know that you know he had plenty of money. So you know, you never would think that they would went in the, into the debt that they did and ran out of money where they actually ran, you know, where the company went out of business. I think it was just wasteful spending. And a lot of times when you're spending somebody else's money, you don't think about it. You know, as long as it ain't yours, you know, you're just having a ball. So I think that's what happened. They were spending other people's money, and they just didn't care. Mm-hmm. And would you say uh, when when you left the company, would you say that was one of the reasons why you left, or is there any other reasons why you decided to leave uh, WCW? Well, the reason I left WCW because, you know, I, I thought that, you know, I could go somewhere else, you know, and probably be used right, uh, you know, uh, uh, given another, a better opportunity. And at the time, you know, Jim Ross was uh, already had left WCW and he had went to New York and saw work up a guest. And so I had a chance to talk to him on the telephone, uh, you know, working for WCW. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when you went to the WWF, uh, who was involved with the negotiations to bring you in? Obviously, we heard you say Jim Ross, but was Vince McMahon involved at all? Were there any other executives uh, in the WWF at the time uh, that were involved uh, with your signing over to the WWF? Well, I'm sure that uh, Vince McMahon was involved. You know, he knows everybody that that's going to be hired or fired. I'm sure he has to give that approval. But basically, Jim Ross was the one that brought me in, and uh, he brought me in and, and explained to me, you know, you know, you got to come in, you know, you got to pay dues, you know, and that's all right, you know. So uh, they were going to bring me in as a referee, and he felt that maybe, you know, somewhere on down the line that Vince would find a spot for me for his managing because I could talk. And that's kind of the way it went. After I came in and refereed for a while, then I heard that they had a meeting one day, and they were looking, you know, you know, Vince wanted to bring in managers and start somebody to come in that talk. And I heard that my name was brought up in this meeting, and that's how I got to be manager. That once my name was brought up, I think Sergeant Slaughter, Michael Hayes, and Earl Hebner were the three people that I was told that uh, mentioned it to Vince. And uh, they uh, called me up one day. I was at home at the time. They called me up one day and asked me to be ready to come to TV in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. So when I got there, then that's when I found out that I was going to be managing, and then I walked out with uh, D'Lo Brown. And they brought you in as a referee. Were you opposed to being a referee at first, or were you just open to working uh, something new with the WWF? Well, it didn't bother me, you know, what title I came in on. You know, it's all about the money. You know what I mean? It ain't about, you know, what you look like on TV. I didn't worry about, well, I'm going to really be embarrassed going back to refereeing when the people have seen me managing and I've had all these big stars that I've managed. You know, it ain't about that. It's about that chick. So they gave me a pretty good deal as referee. I made more money there refereeing than I did in WCW. So it didn't bother me. I was happy with refereeing because it wasn't as much stress as you have, to, as you have on you when you're managing. And uh, what, what was uh, your favorite match to ref uh, when you were a referee uh, down with WWF? Well, uh, golly, man, I, <laughs> I really don't really remember. I know I had one match there. God, I, I just don't know, man. It was a lot of them, you know, and I just don't really remember, you know, you know which one was my favorite one, you know. I, I really don't, man, because it's been so long. But like I said, uh, I think I had a match with Edge and uh, maybe Kurt Angle, I believe it was. But that was, that, was, that was a real good one. I enjoyed that. And then, oh, I know. I enjoyed working with uh, my favorite match that was with Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. That was the best one. I mean, those two guys, you know, really, you know, out there and they know they could, you know, they worked their butts off. 
and it was a great match. But I really enjoyed that. So would you say that match itself was maybe the most amazing moment that you had as a referee in terms of witnessing the spectacle of a match? Well, I would think so, but the most amazing moment what I had when I was a referee is when I had a chance to referee at WrestleMania. That was the first time I'd ever been to a WrestleMania, and I think the first one that I refereed was in Houston, Texas. And so that was the highlight of my life, to be able to referee on WrestleMania. Do you remember which match it was that uh, you were refereeing during that show? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. It was in Houston, Texas. I can remember that, but I don't remember which, which match it was. And uh, uh, we'll move on to your uh, managing as well. And uh, uh, during the time uh, in the WWF when you managed, uh, you you've, you went through quite a bit of uh, clients. Uh, who would you say was uh, you, you had the most chemistry uh, working with uh, uh, with your client uh, during your time uh, in WWF? I would say the Undertaker. Mm. How did WWE approach you to become the new general manager for SmackDown? Well. <laughs> They, they didn't approach me. I, I knew absolutely nothing about that. I came to TV one day, and they told the writers came to me. It was maybe an hour before TV started, and they brought the show to me, and they said, hey, tonight Vince is going to introduce you as the new General Manager SmackDown. That's exactly how I found it out, and next thing I knew, I went out, Vince introduced me, and there I was. So I knew nothing about it. They didn't smarten me up or tell me nothing. So were you going to the show originally with maybe just uh, managing in mind for what you thought was going to be your original role on that show? Well, yeah, yeah, because, see, I, I started managing guys before I became the general manager. So, you know, that was my, my deal, you know, managing. You know, I'd never been in no big role like, you know, general manager, you know, running the company. And that. So I had no idea, of, you know, that that would – I never dreamed that nothing like that would ever happen. I felt that I would always – you know, stay managing somebody because I had to get the gab. I could talk. I knew how to get guys over. And so I just always kept it at that. So being when I became general manager, it was a big shock to me. And uh, how did you feel maybe going into such a role? Did you maybe think there was any sort of pressure going into a role that's literally just brought to you moments before starting on television uh, for the role that you hadn't really done before to be just given to you like that? Was there a lot of pressure involved in the, when you first started out? Oh, yeah, a lot of pressure there because, you know, you're going in a major role here when you become general manager. You know, you're running the whole deal there, and plus you're working on top and you're working with all the top stars. So it was certainly a lot of pressure, you know, but I couldn't let Ben see that, <laughs> you know, know that I was under pressure, you know, because that ain't the way he works. You know, when he gives you something, he expects it's like football. He gives you the ball. He expects for you to score a touchdown. Now, everybody don't score a touchdown all the time. Some guys fumble. But my thing was this. When I went there and I saw Vince was going to give me the opportunity that nobody else never gave me when I was in WCW, NWA, and all that, Vince gave me the opportunity that nobody ever gave me. And my thing was to him is I'm going to prove to this man that I can do this job and I'm going to make it work. And I'm also going to prove to all the naysayers that said I had no talent, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, why are you wasting your time in Teddy Long? I wanted to prove to them that they were wrong. And so Vince giving me the opportunity that he gave me, I was able to prove that to them. And let me put God in there, too, because God really blessed me to be in the position that I was in. You know what I mean? I think right now Vince probably don't even know why he put me there. You know, it's just a blessing from God. But I'm, after I got in there, he was happy with me. I learned his way, and that's how you last up there. You learn Vince McMahon's way, and if you learn that way, you're going to make it. So a lot of guys don't learn that. But, you know, this is, it's sad, you know, this, you know, that you're not concerned about your job, but 
you just have to know your role and you have to know what position that you're in. And then, you know, once you get in that position, you got to protect it. And that's what I did. I protected my position and I gave Vince exactly what he wanted because that's, you know, I knew that was how I was going to make it there. So, you know, I was just grateful to have that opportunity. And uh, how would you say, uh, obviously you established a pretty memorable character that I think a lot of fans uh, look back on. Uh, how much influence did you have on your character in WWE as the SmackDown general manager? Well, I had about 75%, uh, you know, that I, you know, in my character, because basically my character was me. You know, I, 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 uh, when I first came in there and they started me to manage and they told me they wanted me to be a Don King or something. That's what they said they wanted me to be like. Well, I couldn't do that. You know what I mean? I already knew that I could be my own self. And being myself, I was able to get my character over because I wasn't nervous. You know, I can, anybody get, you can be yourself and you can be relaxed. So I, I just, like I said, I just was happy to, you know, to just get the character over. And Vince gave me the opportunity to add my own stuff because there were a lot of times the writers brought me stuff and I would look at it and I'm like, hey, hey, player, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this. This ain't what I would say. And they would ask me what I would put there, and I would, you know, put my two cents in there, and then they'd take it to Vince, and he liked it. So, and then the other thing, too, with Vince, you know, basically the majority of the stuff that I did on SmackDown TV, Vince McMahon was my writer. So I was really going out doing what Vince McMahon created, what his brain created. So I was just happy to do that, and I felt real honored. Hey, I'm doing good. I got the boss's stuff in my hand. So that's, that's kind of how that went. And uh, I'm just going to name off a couple of uh, people here, and I just want you to describe uh, your relationship uh, with these uh, with these guys uh, during your time there. Um, so Vince McMahon, how would you describe your relationship with Vince? I thought I had a great relationship with uh, with Vince. He was a great guy. You know what I mean? He came to me at all. He would come to me at all times, you know, and say little things to me to let me know I was doing a great job, and he was happy with me. So. You know, a lot of people put bad stuff out there on Vince, you know, and called them this and that. You know, you know, I, 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 I didn't never, you know, see that. He never gave, he never yelled at me. I never had that problem because, like I said, I learned him. So, and I saw him yell at a lot of people. So I'm saying to myself, Jesus, I don't want that to happen to me. So I made sure that I kept him happy and satisfied him. But me and Vince, we had a great relationship. And uh, how would you describe your relationship with uh, Triple H? As we all know, he's more than likely going to take over the company once uh, Vince um, moves on or, like, steps down or, or God forbid, passes away. Uh, How would you describe uh, your relationship with Triple H during your time? Well, uh, I had no problem with him. You know, uh, he came to me with that once he took over, too. You know, he he came to me in certain uh, storylines that I was in, and he put his input, and I had to, you know, do things that he wanted me to do, too. I mean, he had a big part in the uh, the storyline between me and Oksana. That was Triple H's deal. So I, I, I pulled that off for him and everything. So I, as far as I know, I, you know, I had a pretty good relationship with him. And uh, how would you say your relationship is with uh, Kevin Dunn? Um, we always heard, you know, a bunch of th- stories about Dunn and how a lot of uh, other talents uh, aren't big fans of Dunn and his mindset on the business. What are your thoughts on Kevin Dunn and how would you describe uh, the relationship while you were there? Well, I had a great relationship with Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn is just like Vince McMahon. They don't play. They're serious about what they do. So that's what a lot of guys don't understand. You have to get serious about what you do. This is TV. There's money involved, you know, and and, and you can't play around. 
So I got I got along great with Kevin. In fact, you know, Kevin Dunn would do things with me, you know, that I never saw him do with anybody else. And what I mean about that is a lot of times we would go out for rehearsal to do things, and Kevin would play, you know, play my music, and I'd walk out and get ready to speak. And before I could speak, Kevin would never cut the music off. He'd just keep the music playing. But he played, with, you know, that was his little deal with me. Me and him had that connection. And I used to call him DJ Kevin D. Hit my music, you know, stuff like that. So I got along great with Kevin Dunn. And uh, just last bit on uh, your relationship. How was your relationship with both Stephanie and Shane McMahon uh, during your time there? Well, uh, I didn't, you know, me and Shane was, uh, you know, talked a little bit, you know, before he left. But when Shane was there, you know, I don't, I don't even know what I was managing then. I think probably I was still refereeing. But uh, I always talked to Shane, uh, you know, me and him, you know, had a great relationship. And I always had a great relationship with Stephanie. You know, I remember, I remember her coming to me after I started being the general manager. And she let me know, you know, she said, uh, Teddy said, you really done a great job. You come a long way here. You're doing great. And um, so, you know, I, for, as far as I know, I got a, I had a great relationship with all of them. Sounds good. And uh, I just want to talk about uh, any ta- – or actually, uh, one, one thing before you talk about just what's going on today and today's wrestling, were there any talents that you saw during your time in WWE that you felt should have gotten a big push or should have gotten a bigger role within the company? Well, you know, there were a lot of guys. I, I You know, you take Dolph Ziggler, for example. You know, I, I you know I think he deserves, you know, to get a bigger push than what, you know, what they you know, have, have did with him. But, I mean, I'm saying, you know, they gave him the opportunity, too. They put the world strap on him, you know. So, you know, he, he did have a chance to become world champion. But Dolph, in my eyesight, is just a phenomenal worker. He is just a machine. And if uh, people can remember this past week, the last week they watched Monday Night Raw, they had the, the great match with him and Triple H. I mean, one of the best matches you've seen in a long time. And Dolph was able to stand there and to hang with Triple H. And, brother, you got to be good. Uh, Triple H is a master at this. So uh, Dolph Ziggler, I thought, you know, what I think could probably, you know, get a bigger push. But, you know, that's not my call. That's up to them. But Dolph was really a great guy. And uh, Bray Wyatt is coming along great. I think they're going to, you know, maybe do some good things for him. And uh, so it's just a lot of guys. There, Dean Ambrose, uh, Roman Reigns, you know, there's so many guys with a lot of great talent. You know, Roman, uh, he's coming along. His mic skills are a little bit down. But, you know, he has to work on that. But, you know, one thing about it, they believe in him. They're, they're, they're putting money behind him, so they believe, and like I said, they believe in him, so if they believe in you, you got to make it work. And you got to understand when the company believes in you, then you got to know your role. you got to know what to do. So, you know, this, uh, that's all I think about it now. Is with a lot of guys, you know, in, 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 they, in this day and age, they just don't take their, their job serious. You know, I think a lot of them, they're young, and they get to the WWE and like, hey, man, I made it to the WWE, and it's all about, seeing me on TV. No, that's not it. It's all about can you make the WWE some money? Because Vince McMahon, he said one time to me, he said, how can you go to the bank and take money out when you ain't putting on in there? That's great. And uh, so, Teddy, just kind of going back to some more of uh, your memories of being general manager of SmackDown, there was the big uh, sort of storyline in 2005 where it was Raw versus SmackDown going on. I believe it was in the fall of that year. Any memories of how the match with Eric Bischoff came about for the Survivor Series to have you guys actually wrestle one another? Was that kind of the original plan where you may be supposed to be managers for each team? What maybe uh, had them decide to do that? Was it just sort of for the theme for that year's pay-per-view? Any memories of those uh, kind of uh, the stories going on at that time? Well, uh, 
Uh, like I said, I, I didn't. They, that was something I didn't know about either. You know, I was just told that you know that the day of the pay per view. But I, to me, to be honest with you, I thought that was the worst match in the history of professional wrestling. It was just horrible. Uh, I'm, I'm in there, you know, not you know, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. Bitch, I was in there, you know. I mean, we know what we're doing, but we're not wrestlers. You know what I mean? You know, it, 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 we're not giving the people really what they want. So I don't know why that match was even put together. I think maybe it was something that Vince wanted. So he wanted to get me over, and that's what it did. You know, I went over in the match with the help of the boogeyman. But like I said, I thought myself it, it, it was just horrible. But other than that, you know, we 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 moving right along. Did you enjoy kind of like the aspect of uh, Raw versus SmackDown, though, in terms of like presenting the two brands as maybe going to war at that time, that it kind of maybe was, uh, say, a little bit of, um, we'll say, competition within the company itself that maybe didn't have uh, a big competition elsewhere to kind of battle from within? you think that was good for the WWE at the time? Well, yeah, I think it, I, I certainly think it was good at the time because, you know, at the time, you know, we, we were trying to do the, the, the brand thing, you know, where SmackDown was going to be its own brand and Raw was its own brand. So, you know, me, you know, being the opportunity to be in there and to beat Eric Bischoff, you know, and become number one, it's like when I, you know, I won bragging rights. I did that fight for SmackDown. So, you know, it was just great for me, you know, you know having that opportunity and especially coming out on top. And uh, just going back to uh, what's going on uh, present day, uh, have you seen any other uh, wrestling shows outside of WWE? Uh, I don't look at many. Um, Sometimes I, 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 uh, Ring of Honor comes on here uh, in Atlanta uh, like 12 o'clock at night on like Saturday nights or Friday nights. I'm not sure. But sometimes I'm up and I get a chance to flip around. So I looked at a little of it. And, you know, there's so much of that you can look at too, you know. Uh, TNA, I have no idea what even network they're on, so I haven't seen that stuff in ages. So basically, you know, if I'm not, you know, sitting down and getting watching Raw and uh, either SmackDown, I'm really not watching anything else. And uh, uh, have you uh, watched any of uh, WWE NXT on the network? No, I haven't. I don't have the network, so I mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to see anything on the network. Okay, uh, but do you think uh, with it turning into its own uh, separate brand that it's good for the WWE in terms of their content uh, on the WWE Network, or do you think it should stay as sort of its own developmental territory and not kind of gain its own brand? Well, I think it should just kind of stay as its own developmental uh, territory, you know, because that's good. They're in a good spot down there in Florida, and Florida was one time the hotbed of wrestling. You know, Dusty Rose, God rest his soul, he booked that territory for many years, you know, and it drew a lot of money. So I think it it, it needs to stay, you know, stay its own brand, you know, but you, you just never know what they want to do. You know, some somebody may not be satisfied with it, so they want to combine it and bring it into WWE. I don't see where there's nothing really wrong with that because there's a lot of guys there in NXT that I think they're going to start, start maybe bringing up to try to make some stars because right now, you know, they got stars, but we just have the same guys. So you're seeing the same guys every week that, you know, that kind of gets stale unless you've got the guys involved in something major so it doesn't get boring to the people. So I think NXT should just, you know, stay its own territory. 
Sounds good. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Lucha Underground. Uh, it's it's really been the talk of the wrestling community. It's uh, known for being unique and it's different and it stands out and it's more it's presented more like an entertainment uh, television show. Uh, do you like the way that sort of wrestling is being portrayed or do you think it should go back to that style of the 80s where it was, you know, old school, old school wrestling and, uh, uh, you know, realistic feuds and all that? Well, I think you're going to always, you know, have to go back to the old school because old school is what brought you to the dance. Okay, you can't you, you can't leave that out. But what you also have to do, too, times have changed. So you have to come into the 20th century now. You know what I mean? You have, you have to, you know, change with the time. But always, I would think, you've got to have some old school in there. It's just impossible for you not to have a great wrestling match or, you know, run a company without old school because that's what brought us to, brought us to the dance, like I said. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, for the Lucha Underground, I, you know, I, I've seen one of their shows, but I don't get a chance. To, I, it's up coming on in Atlanta, so I haven't seen it in quite a while. So I really couldn't tell you too much about it. Okay, and uh, just one last question. Uh, uh, I just wanted to one. I just wanted to ask. Uh, do you think Triple H, uh, when he eventually does uh, take over WWE, do you think he will do a good job uh, taking over to the WWE? And do you think his vision uh, will be good for the WWE in the future? Well, you know, I I can't say yes or no. You know, only thing I can say is I certainly hope so. Because sometimes, man, you know, people have a vision, you know, and they want to portray something, and then sometimes that changes. You know what I mean? In this business, I've seen stuff change overnight. You know, I've, I've watched guys go in the ring, and they thought that, you know, one guy was going to win, and the next thing you know, if, if that was changed. You know, the referee told him, no, they just told me this guy's going to go over. So, you know what I'm saying? It's just hard to say about a person's vision, you know, because that vision, it may be out there, but then it may not work. You know, you may have a chance to sit down, think about it, and say, well, no, I better not do this. Let's try this. But, you know, hopefully, you know, he's a smart man. He knows about this, knows about the wrestling business. He's worked on the best for many, many years. So he's right there with another genius. So Triple H has learned a lot, and he's certainly, you know, improved for his business-wise. So I think his vision or whatever he and Stephanie decides to do is going to be great for the company. Uh, you never know when something's going to work, but they got stuff enough to put a little money in something and start it. If it doesn't work, then they start on something else. Sounds good. And uh, before we let you off, uh, is there anything you just want to quickly promote again uh, before we let you off? Well, I just let anybody know that this weekend, I got a big week uh, on Thursday night. I'm going to be in Davie, Florida for a big spring break down there for Fighting Evolution Wrestling. I'm going to be there along with WWE Hall of Famer Ron Simmons. Uh, the Boogeyman will be on that show. Also, a uh, good friend of mine that I managed back in the day, Tuco Scorpio, is going to be there. And on Friday night, I'm going to be in Port St. Lucie, Florida, for Ignite Wrestling. I'll be general manager for the night. And also, we got Santana Gary. She's going to be on the show. And there's a couple of guys that are coming over from Ring of Honor. So those two things I'm doing this week. And we appreciate all the people to come out and, you know, and give us a holler, player. Sounds good. And, uh, well, thank you for this interview, Teddy. Uh, hoping you're uh, doing well in your semi-retirement, and uh, hope we'll see you here in Ottawa. Uh, it'd be awesome if we could have you come down to an indie promotion sometime. Well, you know, I'd be glad to, man. Like I said, I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying myself, you know. I'm kind of working for myself now, so I ain't under all that stress and stuff. So, yeah, if I can get to Ottawa and come see you guys, I certainly would appreciate that, man. But all, all, And also, one more thing, too, for the fans, you know, don't forget to follow me at TeddyLong.com. Uh, my Twitter is at TeddyPlayAlong, and Instagram is TeddyLongRest. 
All right, sounds good. Well, thank you, Teddy. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Keep updated with everything going on with Wrestling With Ideas by following us on Twitter or leaving a like on the Wrestling With Ideas Facebook page. Listen to archived episodes of the show on Podbean and the Podbean app. Or take a listen on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Player FM. We will be back next week to Wrestle With Ideas. Ideas.